Welcome, everyone, to the Game Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schuster. Joining me tonight are Jenny Aquino, Mark Myers, and special guest, Ant Del Vecchio. Tonight, Ant will be defending The Legend of Zelda's Honor. We will be discussing Fidelity versus Frame Rate, and we'll be reviewing our retro roulette game, Super Mario Bros. 2, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. But before we get to all of that, what have you guys been playing? Special guest, Ant, you get to start. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be back here. Uh, so what have I been playing? Not much. So I just moved, and it took me about two months after I moved to hook up my PlayStation 4 again. So I've been playing, mostly I've been playing uh, NBA 2K, which is like now like 2K20, so it's a little bit behind. I've also been playing some... I tried tried playing Skyrim again. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and it's just... It's not a bad game, and obviously I'm not going to sully the name of the game and say it sucks because um, I just don't get it. What, the, what my problem with it is still is that I go into these dungeons and I'll spend 20 minutes, you know, going through it pretty, pretty well. And then all of a sudden, huge challenge spike. The difficulty spike is huge, like after a certain point of every dungeon for whatever reason. Maybe I'm going in the wrong dungeons at the wrong time, um, but it's like impossible to progress at a certain point so then i have to haul ass all the way halfway out the dungeon and i spend like a half an hour 45 minutes doing all this shit and i'm like all right well what do i do next and i do the next dungeon it's the same fucking thing (laughs) so i'm doing i'm not accomplishing anything i've got like 12 dungeons that i've half completed and i like don't know what i'm supposed to be doing uh, I don't know if I'm just supposed to be grinding and just finding shitty things that I could kill and just spend 40 hours doing that before I'm doing any of these dungeons, but I I don't know. Maybe I need to start over again and try a different build or whatever, but yeah, I'm just getting the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> like, as, at certain point in, in each dungeon, just running through, get hit twice, and boom. All right, start over again. Glad I saved. <laughs> quick quick save is your best friend in that game yeah yes i learned that after like just just walking across uh skyrim for like 20 minutes and then dying and then have to do it all over again <laughs> yep I mean, um, luckily we have a uh, an expert here who can who mm-hmm. can lead you through these dungeons if you really needed someone to yes mm-hmm. we can also teach you the art of skyrimming <laughs> it's very that helpful to cut your enough. travel down very much that, yeah. Uh, so tried that again. Maybe I'll restart it. I don't know. Because uh, I did. It's been like probably six months, seven months since I even played it. So it's like now I'm like, what was I even doing? Uh, so I'm kind of lost on that. I also started playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is actually oh, my sure. first Assassin's Creed game, which is cool so far. I really haven't got that far into it. And then I played some retro stuff. I play I retro uh, played the retro roulette game this week. And then I played because, you know, I had to do my research. I played for the first time in a while. I played Legend of Zelda, the original on NES. And I went completely muscle memory. I didn't look up any game facts or anything like that. I got through up until the fifth boss without with just remembering where everything is after 30 years or so. That's pretty Um, damn good. Yeah. I mean, I played the the shit out of this game when I was a kid. So I definitely know it like the back of my hand and things came naturally to me. Um, yeah, 
that's what I played, I guess. I can't really think of anything else. Uh, I guess the last time I've been on here, I played like maybe an hour of Ghosts of Tsushima. 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 Um, I got it for Christmas. I really haven't really picked that up because, I, like I said, uh, the PS4 has been off and unplugged for two months. So trying to get back into everything else. That's it. Nice. Jen, how about you? Um, Same old same here. Uh playing a lot of Dead by Daylight and Phasmo. Um, and that's really it. I mean, sometimes I play Jackbox, which is what it is. Um, for Phasmo, they're still going through the game and making updates. I know I probably say this every every podcast, but um, this last update they did, they made the ghosts a lot more aggressive and a lot smarter. So it's kind of nice because after a while of playing, not that I'm saying I'm getting tired of it at all, but the level of fear in it for me kind of went away like I wasn't scared of it anymore at all really you have your jump scares every now and then but most of the time you're a pro you get in you get out you kind of speed run speed run every game but now that the ghosts can um if they see you they're pretty much going to catch up with you and kill you instantly if they see where you go to hide you're dead like there's so many ways now that you are not going to survive the game if you mess up so the fear is back in it which is nice I think it's getting a lot of um big streamers and other players who've put a lot of, ga- of hours into the game back on board, um, which is nice because everyone's been waiting for new maps, which apparently there is one in the works as well. So it's it's nice, again, to keep playing a game like this where the developer is constantly making improvements to the game. Uh, it kind of feels like your time isn't being wasted, if that makes sense. So Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. dumping all this time into a game nobody cares about. Right, exactly. And it's still an early release, which is great, too, so... I'm looking forward to it continuing to improve. And, you know, then on the flip side, there's Dead by Daylight. <laughs> which worse. Is, is, you know, yeah, it's fun. Super fun. Um, I'm, I'm hanging in there until the Resident Evil chapter. I mean, um, yeah, the Resident Evil chapter. And then once that hits and I'll, I think I'll decide whether I want to keep playing it or not going forward. Because I've been waiting for this for forever. Everyone's been asking for it. It's finally here. So. We'll see. So I'm trying not to break up with it until, you know, that's that's the last straw for me. If they mess up the Resident Evil chapter, I'm probably going to be done with it, but we'll see. Um, oh, and I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise a lot more. Um, Jonathan and I usually play on um, on our stream here, but um, I haven't really picked it up much off stream. And it's definitely the kind of game where you have to play it a lot to get the hang of it. The controls are kind of complicated. There's all these different menu options that you can do. Um, and it's just one big boss up battle after another. So you have to be paying attention the whole time. There's just a lot to master with that game. And I finally sat down on my own and started playing it just to try to get some practice in. And then I look at the clock and it's like almost 3 a.m. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess the bug finally <laughs> bit me. <laughs> I totally <laughs> lost track of time. Um, so I'm more, way more into it than I was. I liked it, but now I like really, really like it. So I did put a good amount of time into that game as well. Um, but other than that, and our retro roulette game, that is pretty much it for me, aside from Apex, which we've been doing every Wednesday. So yeah, nothing, nothing new. I mean, uh, I'm glad you finally got bit by the bug by Monster Hunter. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I feel like that's one of those games where if you, if it doesn't happen, like yeah. you just it, you're just in a constant grind and you hate life. Right. It's definitely <laughs> not for everybody. Um, I could definitely say that much. 
it's it's very it's a lot of like i said a lot of different controls that you have to master it's big boss battles um it's just it's pretty complicated which i i wasn't turned off by it at first but i was wondering how much i would be able to get into it um but it's it's going very well now so i mean my armor my character's armor is embarrassingly horrid but it's strong, which is fine. It's all that matters. But yeah, the, the fashion aspect, which is what our friend Jonathan is now embracing, I need to get to that point. Because right now I look like Rita Repulsa, pretty much. <laughs> and it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to post a picture to our, um, our Twitter account for people who haven't made one of the streams <laughs> recently. Just so you all can see how ridiculous my character looks. But other than that, it's going well. Awesome. Yeah. Mark, are you have you been bitten by the show bug like I have? Yes, but for the same reasons that I played the show in the past. Um, <laughs> as I've said every podcast here, so I'll keep it real short. I still very much enjoy the ridiculousness that is playing in the polo grounds um, with 256 feet down the poles um, and then 483 feet the center field. So it <laughs> it lends itself to a lot of funny situations. I literally hit a ball almost 470 feet that got caught in center field um that would have been out of just about any other ballpark um so that that's the fun i've been having um i i almost came back in the ninth inning um but yeah but that that's basically my go-to game it's semi-replaced nba 2k uh one that i had bought for for the playstation 5 um but i played that as well but um the game i played the most um recently is I just decided that because of the storage issues on the PlayStation 5, that I just need to kind of blow through, not blow through so much, but sort of just concentrate and bear down and try and beat Watch Dogs Legion um, just to so I can take it off the off the PlayStation um, because I also do have Modern Warfare on there and that continues to eat up uh, space. Um, it is just, it's just going to be the only thing on the PS5 soon as it is on every other system. Bigger and bigger. (laughs) So, um, and for some reason I can't like, since we don't play Warzone anymore, I wanted to like undownload Warzone, but they don't let you do that. Yeah. Um, You you can only undownload the single player or the the single player part. So yeah, I still play the multiplayer there every so often. Um, but Watch Dogs is interesting. Um, I got to get away from my tendency to want to play just one character um because the whole point of that game is to switch up the characters based on what you need to do um like you have some characters that are good in uh hand-to-hand combat which there's a there's a bare knuckle brawler league that you have to go through to get uh a special character um uh, and by special i mean just somebody has a whole lot of stats it's not like some kind of named character or something um it's not like in assassin's creed where you start meeting historical figures um but yeah and then you have ones where you need a lot of like uh spying and being able to uh download stuff from long distances so you need to get the guy that's really good at that then you need to use the people that have the special clothes to get inside the places um but for a while i was just playing as the starter character that i got um just because you're so used to just playing one protagonist and then the whole thing but that's not the point of a legion. So um, story's fine so far. Um, the maybe I was spoiled by Hades, but I'm only about ten hours into this game, and there's always been way too much repeat dialogue so far. And that was the one good thing with Hades is that I played that game for 
think it clocked me at like 61 hours so far, or maybe a little more than that, because uh, Epic does it in days. So I was like something like almost near three days um, playing Hades. And there there wasn't one repeat line that I had seen so far. So um, hmm, just, that, that, that just shows you the difference in quality in the games in, also. In writing, yeah, for sure. Um, but London looks great. Never been there, so I don't know how like how close it is. You know, I don't have the comparison to, you know, GTA 4 when they're in New York and you see, oh, I kind of get this. Um, it kind of looks like places I've been. But, yeah, so I've been fully concentrating on that, playing my sports games when I need palate cleansers. And then I just had to blow off some steam one time and I just uh, started singing really badly Rock Band 4 songs that I have <laughs> um, <laughs> on my PlayStation. A lot of Hootie and the Blowfish and Gin Blossoms because um, those are... The only songs that um, I can get, I can get pretty high percentages on medium. Not even easy. Um, <laughs> so, and then you know, I tried playing through the campaign, but for some reason, it like restricts the songs that you can use. Um, like you can use some of your downloads, but not all of them. So I, I ended up having to play the same four songs for like three straight things, and it just got boring. But um, yeah, so and. Uh, I'm looking forward to, and this is down in the future, but um, outside of the other stuff we said a million times, um, I'm really looking forward to um, for American Truck Simulator. They're gonna they're gonna be doing Texas at the end of the year, and I'm just interested of how they're gonna do a state that big. Yeah. Um. Uh. Because out California, um, they had they had like you know there there's a lot more like. The areas are more spread out in terms of cities and stuff. In Texas, it's a little more just clustered to the east of the state. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, there, you know. There's nothing in West Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with that. Um, and it means that unless they're going to keep updating this game, um, that they're going to get to New Jersey and Pennsylvania in like the year 2030. Um, <laughs> wow. You know. Just if you think about it, they're they're doing Wyoming and Texas this year, and they still got most of the Midwest left, um, and then the South, and so. But I don't know if they'll go that far. But it, it's just kind of funny um, <laughs> to to see that. So and um, yeah, and uh, I didn't get a chance to because Friday nights have been crazy. We did the Stranger Damies, and then I was we did the podcast the week before. But um, I really wanted to play more of the demo of RE8, um, but didn't get the chance to. Um, but from what I played of the first demo, um, that game is one that I may pick up a little later. Um, you know, um, maybe when I'm done Watch Dogs and I can sort of swap them out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a really good demo um, for uh, what they're going for. The first person does a whole lot for those games. And that's about it. That's about what I've been playing. Nice. Yeah, like I, like I said, I've been bitten by the show bug, which is awful because it's one of those games where they 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 get you by going by making the games quick like if you're doing if you're doing road to the show which is what i'm doing it's a it's basically you create a player and you try to get them to the major leagues in baseball i know everyone is probably hating this right now uh but yeah so they make the games really short because you only play the parts that you are a part of like you only play your at bats or you only play when you feel the ball so it's to get through a single game is like five minutes, maybe. So it's like, it's that, Oh, just one more, just one more. And it just, you just keep going 
And if you're not having a good day playing the game, uh, Ant can attest to this. It just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Like you never, it never gets better. If 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 you're just not doing well at the game that day, you should just stop. And I just don't know how to do that. Um, I don't know what it is. Like it, it could be either you're tired or you're just you're just not you're just not as coordinated that day. But if you can't hit a fastball, which is like the easiest pitch to hit for those who don't know anything about baseball, it's just that's the fastball is a straight ball. You should be able to hit it nine times out of ten. If you can't do that. You should just shut the game off because it'll just get really frustrating and you will hate life, which is what happened to me before the stream on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> and I came on uh, shot out of a cannon onto our Apex stream and was really, really mad at the world for no for no reason other than the show was pissing me off. Yeah, uh, I know those feels <laughs> you can't play the show after 7 p.m. Can't do you it. really can't. <laughs> you re- it's like it's something weird. It's it's some weird thing that happens after seven o'clock and all of a sudden you can't you can't see the ball anymore. I don't know what just, it is. You're just that slow. You're just that slow. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Like playing it on the weekend. Great. Great time to play the show on the weekend. Play it after work. Not going to happen. Not going to have a good time. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yep. And uh yeah, I, again, if you watch back that that stream from Wednesday, uh, Sam, Sam Sam says to me, so we need you to play the show every time before Apex Legends, because <laughs> I was so mad that I was concentrating that much more on Apex Legends and I was doing really well for once. So he's like, you need to you need to be mad every time you start this stream. I was like, I really don't want to do that because that feeling of sucking in the show is got to be the worst thing ever right and think about this too tom we not only had you go from the show to apex you went through the new deathmatch mode which I... is extremely frustrating in itself so that yeah. was like <laughs> rage yeah. on steroids for you i guess yeah and, yeah. and i wouldn't call that much of a, de- a deathmatch no mode. no the fact that they called it deathmatch was sadly misleading oh but yeah it, it, it is what it is yeah so i'll get to that real quick so we played the new mode of apex which they call deathmatch, but it's not. If you if you've played Destiny one or two, uh, the Trials of Osiris mode is essentially what this is. It's three on three, and you can revive your teammates just like just like that mode as well. But um, it's just it, like the it's like the I think the levels are too big, and I just don't like the I don't like that that play style because you can't be aggressive. And if you're the aggressor, you automatically lose, I feel like. Yeah, it's. I think we saw a lot of people hang back because the ring will close around you. So people wait usually until the last minute or they snipe you from a distance. It is it's kind of difficult. Yeah, if, if you're not a good ranged player, it's not the mode for you, because if you try to be aggressive and run up on people, you may be able to catch them off guard. But at the same time, if you see them, they will definitely see you. And if they have ranged weapons, you're screwed. Yeah. You have yeah. no chance. Uh, but yeah, uh, some some better gaming news for me. Uh, I've been playing Miles Morales a lot. And man, that game is gorgeous. I love it. I, I, I liked the first Spider-Man, and this is just more of the same. And I'm just glad they gave us more of the same. And they didn't change it too much. Um, but yeah, that and I played a little bit of Chain of Memories. I still haven't. I need to like revamp my play style for Chain of Memories for Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Um, 
Jonathan sent me a, a great fact from uh, probably 1999 or whatever year the game came out, 2005, I think it came out or something. But yeah, for those who don't know, Game Facts is where you would go before <laughs> YouTube, before YouTube was a thing. That's where you found out about Missing No and, uh, you know, all this, those fake Pokemon things that weren't real and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much it for me. Uh, we have a lot of news this week. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff is happening in the in the gaming world and something that hits kind of close to home for Mark. Yeah. Um, he's going to talk about that real quick is the yeah. departure of a number of Giant Bomb members. So, Mark, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so um, uh, for those you don't know, Giant Bomb is uh, a website about video games. Um, uh, they uh, they were founded basically uh, for people that know um, the backstory. Once uh, the founder Jeff Gersman um, was let go from GameSpot because he didn't give in the pressure to change a review score because of a company that was giving ad money to GameStop, GameSpot. Um, so they fired him, a couple of friends left with them, um, after their contract, you know, after able, they were able to leave and they started giant bomb back in 2008, I believe 2009. Um, so, uh, it's been around that long. I probably jumped on board 2013, late 2013. Um, so I didn't even get to experience Ryan Davis, who was, um, another co-founder who had sadly passed away in 2013 um outside of back content so um just a little background there um the way they do video and podcasts and stuff is very much what i try to do with with the streams and anything we do and and the way they go about um having fun doing streams is is very much how um i like uh to go um about it you know always have fun with it laugh Try to find the funny things in games and just sort of take it seriously, but, you know, not get um, overly, you know, uh, Game Boy-ish or fanboyish about things. Just sort of kind of keep it even keel. And it's a fun medium. Don't buy into any of the bullshit that's out there. So this week um, on Tuesday, um, surprise to a lot of people, but maybe not so much of a surprise if you think about it. Um, three of the four, well, two of the founding members and and one that was a pseudo one because he came on later and was um, part of the GameSpot crew that left. Um, uh, Vinny Caravella, um, Brad Shoemaker, and Alex Navarro left. Their last day is tomorrow, um, and or I'm sorry, Friday, um, when this uh, uh, when we're recording this. Um, and those guys are are basically the uh, the heart of it. And uh, Jeff is staying behind to kind of try and do this new thing um uh with news you know it was basically it's one of those things where it's it's one of the first podcasts and things that um i've gone through that you know it you know made it all the way through and it's like an end of an era thing um where it sort of it hit me a little bit but you know was it called parasocial relationships really aren't that healthy but it was just something that shouldn't have really hit me hard in the grand scheme of things but for like a couple hours on Tuesday, I was just kind of sitting, staring at my computer, reading stuff and watching old GIFs and um, sort of with, you know, just just sort of sitting in that sort of gut punch um, that that was happening. Um, but I just wanted to give a shout out to that because I, I believe Giant Bomb's one of the last in terms of um, not so much trying to cater um, to um, being that YouTube 
uh, Twitch sort of, um, you know, the joke of the YouTube thumbnail with the guy with the surprise face and the thing, you know, next to him that they're doing or stuff like that or being overly performative. Um, so, um, you know, a lot of that stuff's cool. And, and, you know, but it just felt like the end of that. Um, they were the last guard of, you know, the old mixture of, you know, video game reviews and, and thoughts on it um, with with going to video online. So, um, you know, it's very much uh, um, I don't know what to compare it to because this is um, uh, really anything um, that, that I've experienced in terms of that. But, um, yeah, it's been an influence to a lot of people that are out there doing what we're doing now. Uh, the Bombcast is one of the most downloaded video game podcasts in the world um, that airs every Tuesday. And um, yeah, yeah, I think there wouldn't be a lot of things that are going on now in terms of, um, you know, video game streaming coverage and kind of breaking off and doing it on your own uh, without these guys. So big shout out to them. And um, yeah, if they do anything different, I will follow them. And I think a lot of people will. But um, I thought doing a video game podcast and having a streaming channel, it would be um, something that we shouldn't ignore and should at least address. And I'm probably far and away the biggest fan here um, of those guys. <laughs> so um, I want to at least say my piece and I appreciate Tom uh, letting me say it. Not a problem. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's, it's always tough when uh, your favorite creators move on from, from what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people have experienced that with like rooster teeth and things like that. There's, it always happens. It's, it's yeah. just, just the way the world works. Yeah. It was, it was pretty much the shock of three of them leaving at once is probably what hit. That's a know. lot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Jen, what else we got going on this week? So like you said, we have a lot to talk about, but we'll try to do it quickly. Um, so the first bit of news that I found was one of the most exciting things that I wound up finding over these last two weeks since we brought you our last podcast and that is that Discord and PlayStation are announcing a partnership, which is awesome because now PS4 and PS5 players can choose the option to do voice chat over Discord while playing with their friends who are on PC. Um, so if you've never done that before or are wondering why that's a big deal, because obviously PlayStation has their own chat already. Which sucks. Yes, it sucks. <laughs> and also it sucks even more to be playing all of these cross-play compatible games where your friend's on PC and they're like, hey, let's talk to each other. Okay, fine. So like in Dead by Daylight, for example, there is no built-in communication in the game. So in order for me to play with my friend Leah, who's on PlayStation, I have to put in earbuds in my in my ears, which my ears are really tiny, I guess, and they don't fit right. So that already hurts. So I'm putting my earbuds into my Discord on my phone. So I'm listening to her talking to me through Discord. And then I have my game headphones on on top of that because I'm playing on my PC. So it is really, or, or vice versa, it's really uncomfortable to do that. So I think a lot of people have been asking for it, again, because so many games are now cross-play compatible. Um, we're bridging the gap between console and PC players a little bit more. So I think this is going to be awesome. Uh, they're talking about early next year, integrating the both of them, and they haven't really said specifically what features are going to be um, are going to be given in this it, potentially an app or something, I guess, on the PlayStation. But it is going to be for PS4 and PS5. So I'm excited about that. I think that that's awesome. I've been talking about this for forever. So I, when I saw this, I was like, oh my god, this is especially for me. This popped up right before our podcast. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the 
I think we've all had the frustration, and uh, most recently me and Dan had it um, when we were trying to uh, 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 do Avengers. Like, well, this was months ago, but that was the last that. time I just gave up on PlayStation chat. Yeah. Um, so um, trying to get a hello, Dan, can I hear him? Yeah. I know we joke about Dan being sometimes having technological issues um, with things getting ready, but this is completely not him. Um, yeah. And so I'm glad they're using Discord because Discord, while it has its issues and things, it is a much better solution than whatever the hell Sony was doing um, <laughs> with the party chat feature. Um, right. uh, so uh, I'm glad. I'm actually glad that Sony's uh, doing the partnership and not Microsoft because Microsoft doesn't really need it. Um, you know, especially having Skype, mm-hmm. um, it would seem kind of redundant on their end. And it allows, you know, maybe Discord to grow a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very good I, news. I do hope that Microsoft implements some sort of Discord, um, some sort of Discord implement, implementation, just so that this whole thing can grow and you can play your games and use Discord um, across different platforms if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the fact that Sony has never been able to do, like, parties well, it, it just... It's just, this is this just seems like such a Sony thing to do. Like, oh, we're just going to partner with Discord. We're just going to let them do it because we don't know what we were doing. <laughs> they haven't known what they were doing since the PS3 came out. Like, Xbox Live came out and it was perfect. And it's been perfect since. Like, they, there's nothing. I can't complain about Xbox Live chat, parties, anything ever because it just works. Um, but PlayStation stuff, even when we were trying to do, like, Extra Life and stuff, Things were just never, never worked right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so that's that's good news for anyone that has uh, playing with console friends and want to chat. It makes it a whole lot easier. So I'm excited for that. Um, our second story is actually revisiting Humble Bundle, which we, I believe, talked about on our last podcast. Um, they were deciding to um, only allow 15% of the proceeds to go to charity with most of the payment being directed to publishers, and they face such a huge backlash on that that they have ditched their plans to get rid of that ability. And um, now they are going back to the way it was for now. Um, they're okay. saying that they heard your complaints, and they reversed it, and they're sorry. <laughs> and They pulled a Sony. They pulled a Sony. They're looking into, apparently, other methods um, and different ways of splitting it, and they're, they're promising that in the future they're going to be more transparent because they want to be ethical um, for their users. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame people for being upset about it. For only allowing 15% of the char- the proceeds to go to charity out of nowhere was sh- shocking for everybody. Um, yeah. It literally came out of nowhere when they announced it. So Well, it, they didn't even really announce it. It was kind of a... They just did it. They just kind of yeah. stealth did it. Yeah, they were shadow doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. It was very shady, so... Good news uh, for those Humble Bundle users that were upset. They did reverse it, so that's good. I I think people weren't – I think most people weren't upset that they did a cap, but that the cap was so low. Right, yeah. Like, they would if the cap was going to be 85% and 15 had to go to Humble Bundle and the publishers, I think people would be less upset. Oh, yeah. The fact that it was reverse is what made everybody flip out. Right, because um, the whole point of Humble Bundle is to donate yeah, to charity. Exactly. So, yep. yep. Um, so then our next story that I found is regarding the World Video Game Hall of Fame. 
Um, so four video games have just been inducted into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Um, rising above some pretty stiff competition. Um, so those games are the 1982 Microsoft, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Okay. Uh, 1985, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Oh, excellent. 1998, Starcraft. And 2001's Animal Crossing. So, I can get behind all of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm good it's a with that. pretty good list. Um, just so everyone knows as well, finalists yeah, that did not make it all the way were Call of Duty, Farmville, FIFA, Guitar Hero, and there were a few others, but I, I picked out the most. Farmville better us. never make it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Farmville and had to do a double take. I'm not going to lie. But it was, it was in there. Um, people would literally give... Their friends and families, their passwords to their Facebook when they went on vacation so that they could take care of their farms. So it's so stupid. <laughs> there's it's a so... following behind Farmville, RIP Farmville. But uh, yeah, so just so everyone knows as well, the awards tries to encompass all video game categories. So I believe it's arcade games, computer, console, handheld, and mobile games. So those are the categories that they try to look at. Um but yeah, I mean, Flight Simulator, they were saying, they gave very brief reasons why they picked the winners. Um, so they were saying Flight Simulator has helped people travel the skies essentially without having to leave home. Um, you had Carmen San Diego teaching kids geography. Um, and it wound up inspiring the show in 1990 as well as the animated series on Netflix. Um, StarCraft was selected because it, of its super immersive science fiction style. And it's regarded as one of the best real-time strategy games of all time. Um, yep. And then Animal Crossing has attracted a huge audience of all kinds of gamers. Um, and it was a huge hit during COVID as well because people learned how to socialize through a video game even more than I guess they expected to. So, yeah, I, I feel like those are all solid picks, like you said. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, StarCraft, pe people were playing competitive StarCraft up until, I mean, they still do. But Isn't it in sports. Yeah, it kind of started esports. Yeah, I think so. they were like one of the first esports competitions was with Star StarCraft. Yeah, that's when I learned how terrible I am at StarCraft. <laughs> Dan really likes StarCraft. Um, he got into StarCraft when I first had the PC set up, and he was he was playing it nonstop. He he seemed pretty good at it too. I don't think it's a game I could get into, but I can totally respect why people like it. It's very cool. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you think you're good and then you go online and you go to play against other people and you realize yeah. how not good you are. <laughs> yes, that like, is true. I, yes, I have I have no video record of that occurring at any point <laughs> during our streams. Of yep. Anything friends. from the first person shooter multiplayer perspective. Our friends became enemies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I found this story and I thought of the three of you because it's about baseball. Oh. So I figured I have to put this in here. So Jesus Lazardo of the Oakland Athletics had to apologize to his team and his coaches on May 4th because he <laughs> hairline fractured his hand. Do you yep. guys know where this is going yet? Uh, yeah, okay. I have an idea. Doing what, you ask? Punching a table after playing a video game. <laughs> he is sure, I'm sure he was playing freaking Call of Duty. Uh, or Apex. Oh, no. Or, Wait, when did Apex drop? Was it the fourth? Because it could have been Apex. It could have been. Um, so he is currently indefinitely out due to the injury. Um, he basically reminded everyone in 23-year-old fashion that he is a 23-year-old kid and he made a mistake. But he claims it wasn't out of anger. It was bad luck that the table was so close to his hand. I'm not That's joking. 
That's complete, <laughs> this is what he that's said. complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he he claims that during a surprising part of the game, he wound up, I guess, like flailing his arms and slammed his hand into the table. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna go out for this injury, you better own it. Like, yeah, yeah I was being I was being super competitive. Right. I wanted to beat this 15 year old kid who was yelling about effing my mom and whatever. <laughs> and I hit the table. Yeah. I was angry and I hit the table. Don't don't just say, oh, I was surprised. By it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he went there's there's a pretty big chunk of a quote from this guy who goes into this whole thing. Um, but in the end, he does admit that it was immature and he promises this is the best part. It was immature of him, and he promises next time he'll make sure the table isn't so close to him when he plays. That's what he learned. <laughs> that, that was the lesson this. he learned. Got it. I swear to you, look it up. Oh there's God. a whole there's a whole quote from him about it. It's really funny. At <laughs> I least, thought you guys would appreciate that. At least, um, I don't know if, if it was mentioned in the story or, or what, but I wonder if he, like, while he's injured, he doesn't get paid because, you know, like, I'm only thinking of because because of the NFL had a recent thing where somebody got hurt working out in his home gym mm-hmm. and he like doesn't get paid for the season because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if baseball's union is so strong that this guy can break his hand playing Call of Duty. And I think I think baseball's got the strongest union yeah. in sports, so I don't I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and he doesn't he he can apologize like that, not go oh I'm sorry I'll never play video games again, you know. Mm-hmm. do all this it's just like oh next time the table won't be near me yeah yeah he, his direct else. his direct quote is i don't plan on hitting my hand again i'll move the table a little further away from me next time <laughs> how about you don't that, suck or something like, right just not like, that i won't play four hours before i start again it's i'm just gonna move that table and then i'll be good it's just so, like it's yeah. just so dumb if you're like, like i said if you're gonna do pull that at least make it sound like you were competing in something Right. Don't 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 whamby pamby it and just like try to explain it away with some stupid excuse that we all tried with our parents. Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. <laughs> um our next story, Tom, you're gonna help me out with because I yep. don't know too much about it. I know the bare bones. Um so we have really good news for um a lot of retro gamers who may be interested in the Retro Tank 5X, which is, I believe, the first of its kind in bridging retro consoles and modern TVs. So I know, Tom, this is your wheelhouse. Right. So uh, those of you who have followed this podcast for a while may have heard us talk about the Retro Tank 2X, which is a very bare bones scaling device, which allows you to play your um, your your any any of your retro consoles on a flat screen TV with minimal lag and makes it look you know it ups does a very good job upscaling and you know it doesn't look like a blurry mess on your screen right so the creator mike chi has been working on this new scaler called the RetroTank 5x which 2x is just basically uh telling you that it's doubling the amount of lines like a uh a a retro game system generally displays 240 vertical lines so a normal television today can't read that so basically they need these devices to double those lines which a a tv today can read into 480 lines what this does is scales it to 1080p as opposed to 480p that's incredible so uh and it also does something that 
uh, no other no other uh, no other scaler like this does, and that allows um, you to switch resolutions between for interlaced and progressive without the signal dropping out, which is a big problem for games like uh, Symphony of the Night on the Saturn, um, uh, Chrono Cross on the PlayStation 1, where menus are in one resolution and the game is in another resolution, <laughs> which causes all kinds of problems for people streaming and capturing. This product will uh, definitely help you out there. Uh, but they it just released this past week. It's mm -hmm. sold out unfortunately, but they are expecting a new batch in June slash July. Uh, they go for $275, which sounds like a lot, but if you've gone down the rabbit hole of trying to get the best picture out of your retro consoles and streaming them, $275 isn't that bad, because mm -hmm. some people may have purchased a frame right, frame meister for $350 at some point. Um, <laughs> at this point, honestly, Tom, all jokes aside... Wouldn't it be more worth it to, to get a mister at this point? So so there's a debate going on right now. So if if you want to play your your cartridges, something like this, and you have a lot of systems, if you have a lot of systems and you want to have them all hooked up and you want to play your original cartridges or CDs, you're better off going with something like this. But if you don't care about that and you just want something to play your games in the best quality you possibly can in the most uh, original looking, I guess, or, or the original playing uh, you would want to go with a mister because a mister is a field programmable field programmable gate array, which basically emulates the systems themselves. And for right now you could play anything from NES to, I think super Nintendo is the latest, but you can play NES turbo graphics, Genesis, yeah. I, I I know I heard there was a Jaguar. Jaguar, um, I believe, is coming. Yeah. Uh, they're working on PlayStation 1. So all of these systems you can play through the Mister, and that's about the same price as this retro tank itself. So, again, if you have systems you, you already own and you have the cartridges and you have the discs and you want to play them on your TV, go with a retro tank. Um, the, it just And if you like to want to stream your games that way, a device like this is great. A lot of people use the open source scan converter, but that has a lot of issues and um, problems uh, syncing up to capture cards and TVs because of the way it does its upscaling. But the Retro Tank 5X definitely uh, solves those problems. And you should probably look into it if you are into retro games and you want to continue to play your retro games if CRT, if you don't have access to a CRT or something like that. Mm -hmm. So be on the lookout June, July. I think the next round is coming. I'll probably put out a tweet because I'll probably get one. <coughs> uh, uh, I missed out on the first round because, you know, I, I was like, eh, do I need it? Do I really need it? Now I've got FOMO. So it's, mm -hmm. it's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exciting. All right. So our last news story of the podcast Um involves good old Zelda because what what is one of our podcasts if we don't talk about Zelda at some point? So um, this year was the 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda back in February. 
Um, and we really haven't heard much from Nintendo regarding really what they're going to do, if anything, to celebrate the milestone. So people um, have been hopeful that the company will drop a surprise announcement eventually, which has been giving people a lot of things to look forward to and to uh, build rumors about. So recent rumors were that we will be getting Wind Waker and Twilight Princess coming to the Switch, uh, which could have potentially been released as a double pack. Following, of course, the best Zelda game, the HD remaster of, Spy- of Skyward Sword. <laughs> uh, but now, rumor has it, we may actually be getting two different games, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, released in a similar fashion in a double pack, but also potentially as an online store release as well. And I would freaking love that because Ocarina of Time is my second favorite Zelda game. Um, so, well, obviously, while... Well, Fans are still hardcore hoping for an actual remake of Ocarina of Time, which would also be awesome. I think this is a really good rumor, and I hope that it comes true. Yeah, so um, I I think my one issue with this is that I'm still on the kick that I just want everything that was on the Wii U to just come out on the Switch. So I am... At this point, 99% of things have. (laughs) They're still missing Wind Waker and the... Twilight Princess HD. Well, that's what I mean. Ninety nine percent. Every every, the, every other every other good game has already come out on the Switch. Right. So and it's also biased because I put Wind Waker um, above these two games in terms of my favorite Zeldas. Um, so uh, I can see this because Ocarina is probably the second or third most popular um, in any order. Um, you know, we'll be talking about the other two later. Um, but in terms of popularity, the 3DS. Uh, version is probably the best version of that game out there and it sold a lot more than a lot of original 3ds games um and uh, majora's mask is just one of those it's like a it's like a link's awakening but for people that grew up on the nintendo 64 um Mm -hmm. it's the weird game Mm -hmm. um uh just like the end people in the nes had zelda 2 um which was the weird game for them um zelda every once in a while releases a weird game and um they haven't done that in a while to be honest maybe skyward sword could technically be a weird game but um you know you had Link's awakening you had zelda 2 you had uh majora's mask um so but i just want maybe i'm just selfish because i want to i want to play wind waker without the really drawn out sailing things that the gamecube version that i beat had um and make it a little little more upgrade to it um because i haven't actually experienced the uh wii u version um so maybe that's why i'm looking forward to that but i can completely see why from a business perspective they would go with the and i I, it should be a combo pack like 3d all-stars um Mm -hmm. for these two um uh you know um and i can see why they would do that because they haven't done this and you know they're trying to capture a whole new generation of people um because of how good the switch is selling everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I can see, I can see why they do it. Um, but from a business perspective, exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the remake for Ocarina time is going to be weird if they actually do it just for the sheer sense that I had the feeling, um, that it can either go one of two ways. It could either end up being, you know, like resident evil two or three remake. Um, where it, you know, does a really good job of, uh, of doing the remake, and but um, they'll add some twist to it that that'll just upset the, you know, the the older fans. Um, 
that that they won't really like in it. Mark, um, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but yeah. I guarantee you they're just going to be like Super Mario 64. Oh, no, no, no. I am. I, it's going to be like that. I'm just saying Jen mentioned that there's also rumors of remaking Ocarina. I serious. Uh, I mean. Yeah. And they won't. Because, yeah, I, I seriously doubt they'll do a like a Final Fantasy VII style remake on it. I I just don't think that's in the cards. It's not. It's not the Nintendo way to do things. No, they'll 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 cut every corner they can. Yeah, then they'll upgrade this as much as possible, like they did with Wind Waker and Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. Um, and uh, because everybody just saw Link's Awakening and was just like, why don't we do that to all these older games? Um, and the main reason is because. As Tom found out, playing Link's Awakening DX, um, it, that is a really tough Game Boy game, and it needed to be upgraded to expose it to a new group of fans um, because Game Boy's really hard to emulate and find and stuff like that. Um, so it's not as easy to play on a on a on a Raspberry Pi or you know a Mister as you know uh, the NES uh, games were. Um, so remaking it was the right way to go with that. I don't think you need to do that with the 64 games. Um, Ocarina is the, the originator for 3D Zeldas. And, um, you know, any, any time they've tried to go back and make a similar game to that, um, they always put something in that doesn't really work, um, because they're still chasing that ghost for that, um, you know, the wolf stuff in Twilight Princess and the sky stuff that, you know, in, in Skyward Sword just didn't connect. Um, even as much as I love Wind Waker, um, you know, the they had to go in a completely different direction to make that stand out um, from Ocarina. Um, so releasing this will be good money wise. But I mean, that that's just how Nintendo yeah. rolls. They'll make mm-hmm. you buy the same game 16 times. <laughs> yeah. And you I, love doing it. I will reason. do it every single time. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Yep. Like I said, I own outside of having the uh, the ROMs that I downloaded years ago. Um, I do own at the places I own it. I own just about all these games in that series. So, um, but I'm still holding out hope that they're gonna you know finish the porting of Wii U games um, when they announce at E3. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious now. I'm just bringing this has nothing to do with the story. Bringing this out here, I'm wondering if they're at E3 are going to do something like a Mario 35 like mm-hmm. thing for Zelda. I don't know how they would do it or what they would do, but just some kind of multiplayer online thing like for the third for the 35th anniversary of Zelda. Um that that could be the surprise announcement at E3. I don't, I don't know how they would do that either. <laughs> yeah. But who, uh, who they could but... do what they did with Super Mario 35. So, yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do because a lot of people like Zelda. Yeah. Uh, as we know on this podcast, we all like Zelda, Zelda, different Zeldas, which is why Anthony's here because he's going to now defend the honor of the Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> Never thought I'd be here sitting doing something as uh, should be so cut and dry, but um. So to take a step back, uh, we just did an episode of They Call This a Movie, where we watch shitty movies, where we just covered Nothing But Trouble. Tom, you suggested the movie and you got it for us. Thank you very much for that. No or problem. Really, don't not you're not really 
Yeah. Don't uh, I'm taking I'm resending my thank you because <laughs> <laughs> you watched the movie, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that movie is kind of a it's what happens when someone uh, is not told no. And in that case, it's Dan Aykroyd. Uh, no, there was no one there to call him on anything. No one there to <laughs> read the script and say, what the fuck? <laughs> so this is me coming on your show and saying to Mark, what the fuck? <laughs> I think my point has been very uh, well put out there. As much as I love and respect that first game, I just think the the third one does everything so much better and is a um, much better um version of that type of uh of uh action adventure game okay well right here i have uh from episode 48 of the game vault podcast airing our grievances with current gen consoles what this game did the most was made me want to play two other games i didn't like it quite as much as gen did probably because this was when you were talking about metroid probably because i have more history with the Super Metroid and the game that just made me want to play Super Metroid more than this game. It's like when I play Legend of Zelda. When I play that game, it just makes me want to play Link to the Past just because it's a better game and you can make that argument of Super Mario and Super Mario 3 or even World. That's what these first games that came out on NES make me want to do. Now, Legend of Zelda is part of that, but this goes beyond. In this... 20 seconds that you <laughs> decided to come on this podcast and talk, you sullied the name of Metroid, Legend of Zelda, and Super Mario. Yeah. Uh, and it's great that you like Link to the Past, but that's like saying to somebody that has neither seen Godfather 1 or Godfather 2, and you prefer Godfather 2, saying, ah, don't watch Godfather 1. Godfather 2 is the superior film. Don't bother. Um, you know, Joe Rogan... <laughs> has a thing on his podcast. He brings on these people with terrible opinions and uh, he never calls them on anything. So Tom, you're Joe Rogan in this aspect. Because okay. you said, I agree. <laughs> and how dare you? How dare Good you? point I do, but not for Super Mario. I agreed on the Metroid part. Not I, I have no attachment to Metroid. You could think whatever the fuck you want about Metroid. But Legend of Zelda, <laughs> come on, man. I don't care. I mean, it's a different console. Say the Ocarina of Time did it better than Legend of Zelda. What who they're apples and oranges. And so, in that the, case, the they super are the Super different. Mario thing, that you're just because you're not good at platformers. That's the reason why you think that Super Mario is not good. <laughs> I I can't. I, I know Super Mario 3, prob- possibly, arguably, the greatest game of all time. But you just told people yes. that they shouldn't even bother with the original Super Mario and go play Super Mario 3. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell people you must play Super Mario Brothers, the original one. But I am definitely not going to tell them that they don't need to. Once again, how dare you, sir? well i think from my perspective i just think the uh the argument is so much that um playing the what what doesn't legend of zelda do what doesn't it do what doesn't it do that it makes it irrelevant for someone getting into video games to go back and play well to be honest in that sense if you're thinking about who will actually be playing these games um a lot of the games on the nes including legend of zelda um, will be something that is not um, easy for them to necessarily pick up. Get good. Um, 
because it um, <laughs> doesn't mean not, if it's good or bad or a, anything not a like good that. Argument, unfortunately, you, these days. You try to you try to sit through a newer gamer that grew up on Xbox and PlayStation and all that to play through uh, Legend of Zelda, and there's you tell them there's no there's no quest markers, there's no hint system, there's no any of this, and they're not going to play through the game. Um, you Called can graph paper. That's what we did. Yeah, graph paper. Yeah. Well, I mean, we lived through all that stuff and did all that stuff. The The point I was making was um, enough of uh, Link to the Past and even Super Mario Brothers 3 are such short levels in a sense that, you know, you could... I've seen it with my nieces in terms of, of Super Mario 3 over Super Mario 1. Um, you know, they gravitated and played that a lot more when I showed them. Um, but the Zelda thing is just just three with the... The ability to a lot of the stuff might take you a little longer, but it's it's a little more straightforward. You're not not a lot of trial and error in terms of I, I just remember the burning the candles and finding the right bush to open up a secret path. And you just got to burn a bunch of bushes along a line if you don't know where it's at. Um, that'd be something that would frustrate a newer gamer nowadays. Not saying it's right or wrong in terms of should they be like that? No, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you shouldn't need to force nostalgia on people or stuff like that and tell them, you know, make them play those games that they don't want, not make them, but have them play those games. If it's pretty much not going to work. It's like, it's like trying to get uh, the majority of people into some type of movie or movie genre and telling them they had to watch the first or second thing that was ever made in that genre, um, you know, well, to understand it and get it. Well, film that was, that was kind of my argument is that, yeah. Um, Games now are so antiquated that these things that used to happen in old games that happen in new games, people just think that that's where it came from. Like, uh, it, I want to say that, like, if you go back and watch Casablanca, it's still does, an it, excellent movie. Yeah, it ha- right. But it has tropes that didn't exist before Casablanca. It's a perfect movie. And it's it was a perfect movie. <laughs> It back in the 1940s or 1939, I'm, whenever it came out, and it's still perfect, just like Legend of Zelda. Right. I know there's a whole there's a whole thing about NES being difficult. There, a lot of games are difficult, but this is difficult by design. There are a lot of <laughs> games that are difficult because they suck and their right. controls are shitty and what have you. Legend of Zelda is tough, but it it is beatable. And to say that you could skip it is uh, is an affront to God. <laughs> I'm going to come right now and say it. I'm not being hyperbolic whatsoever. <laughs> to say that it is skippable. Super Mario as well. Super Mario is the perfect platformer. Well, yeah, again, it's what every other platformer is based off of at this point. And like I said, I'm not going to say, well, you're not a real gamer unless you play these. Um, but I'm also not saying you don't need to play these. You could play this as a replacement mark i don't know i I think you got too big in your britches you know sometimes (laughs) monsters need to be called out and that's what i'm doing here i'm calling out the monster that has been growing on the game vault podcast for 49 episodes can i just mark's ego (laughs) this is the greatest segment of all time uh yeah so both very good points um i don't even know what my point is at this point Your point is that you should play The Legend of Zelda because it's good. I'm saying that you shouldn't tell people not to. And okay. that's what Mark did last episode. Okay. That's fair. That's yeah. fair enough. I uh, I can agree with that. 
but yeah, the, <laughs> the like I was like I was trying to I uh, trying to say before, like the Legend of Zelda did things that no other game had done before that, and oh. now every game does those things. So to to someone to go back and be, it's like someone's going back and like I said, watching Casablanca and going, oh, they did that. Every movie does that now, but that's just because Casablanca did it first, which sure. it it doesn't. It just means that you should experience it, but try to put yourself in that mindset, which is what I try to do every time we play one of these retro games for Retro Roulette. Because if you come from today's mindset, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate the game. You kind of have to put yourself in in those shoes from 1986 or whatever, whatever year we're playing the game from, uh, because, you know, things didn't exist. Save save points didn't exist. And um, except for Zelda, actually. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, but that, you know, certain things didn't exist yet and they were still working those things out. And Zelda did a very good job of introducing a lot of those things like dungeons and mm -hmm. uh, different enemy types and, you know, power ups and all these things. So, yeah, um, the, I don't know. The what, thing, I don't know where I'm going with this. You should the play one Zelda. Thing I can say, and I was just literally sitting here thinking this, um, is that. Those two games, uh, Zelda and Mario specifically as a series, both follow the same trajectory. And it's kind of funny um, that um, it happened this way. They both, the original games, both set a standard and for that type of game going forward action adventure, open world, Zelda, first one ever do it. The Lost Woods stuff is ridiculous in game design and, and all that stuff um, for, for the time. Um, and uh, Super Mario was the first platformer to be smooth and feel good and all that, um, you know, different kinds of challenging without being too challenging. And, you know, they both did that. Then the second games, which we're going to talk about, the second one in, in the Super Mario series, went, at least in the United States, went so far in the other direction to be weird and different and just uh, supposedly to be easier. And, you know, you'd level up in Zelda 2 to make the the enemy's easier to fight rather than just going your skill in terms of being able to play um, that both of those games need it. The third game to sort of bring back, um, you know, the, the classic way uh, the originals were uh, to keep them and in their long staying power. You could argue Zelda, that Castlevania did the same thing. Yeah. Zelda unfortunately had one less game to keep that footing. And then Ocarina was so good that, um, it was able to uh, do that for it, but Mario having three and then and then World back to back probably the two best platformers um, you could arguably say of all time um, there um, as back to back games as solidified that and then you know it's it, it sort of it, with with games like that it's it sort of I would like people to you know. I, I don't I, I come from a thing where I don't want people to play something that I know just from experiencing it with new gamers, um, with my nieces, um, that they I know they get will probably get frustrated with. And attention spans nowadays, people will not, you know, stick with something that frustrates them. And that's something we can have a whole different discussion and argument about um, about the younger generation. Just look like a bunch of old men yelling at clouds. <laughs> well, um, you guys did that last week. Yeah. Yes, that was last week's podcast. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm saying just in that sense of of getting mad at the newer generation in terms of not liking our older stuff. Oh, I'm not uh, getting mad at I'm not getting mad at newer generation. I'm getting mad at you. 
No, I know. <laughs> I, I, at no point did I, I argue that. I know why you came on the show and did all that. Um, but that was that was mainly where my point was coming from, is that uh, it's very rare that I can put an NES game in front of somebody new and, and they'll play through it. Um, if they get interested in Zelda and they love Link to the Past after I show them of the older generation after playing one of the 3Ds, um, if you think about it, it'd be really weird of someone playing Breath of the Wild for the first time and then trying to show them the other games and go, and they're like, we can't go everywhere? What do you mean? I have to right. do these things to unlock that first? You know, and just that that's a whole new can of worms that Breath of the Wild opened up um, with their ability to, you can go right to the end of the game at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But uh, sure, Mark, though, yeah. however... On last episode, you were not talking about the new generation. You were talking about you personally. You said it's like when I play Legend of Zelda, when I play that game, it just makes me want to play Link to the Past just because it's a better game and you can make the argument of Super Mario and Super Mario 3 or even World. That's what these first games came, that came out on NES make me want to do. And I, I stand by transcribe this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I went back today and I listened to yeah. it so I could write it down. I went and I, you know, I love the segment and I, uh, you know, appreciate your argument, but I 100% agree with my words there. I play, I have beaten Link to the Past way more times than I can count, um, but I haven't beat the original Legend of Zelda as much because I just, when I play it, I end up not having the desire to want to finish it like I have. And that could just be a preference thing from me enjoying the other games better. Same with Super Mario 3. I've gotten further in that than I have in the original um, and even further in World. Um, but, you know, that that that's what it does. Whenever I play a lot of these older first-time NES games, I think the only exception for me um, is, is Mega Man um, because playing the older Mega Mans on NES does not make me want to play Mega Man X. Um, and that that's just... You know, uh, I don't know why, but that is really the only series that it does it for. But for every other series that has a NES, SNES, N64 thing, um, the NES version always makes me want to play the, as I said, the better game overall. And that's usually video games is, has a better projection, upward projection. Um, I'm probably saying the wrong word, but um, than movies do when video games iterate on themselves and get better as they do sequels in terms of if it's not a direct sequel. Um, That's why a lot of the Final Fantasies work and stuff like that. They iterate on the one before it and improve. Your Godfather example, which honestly, when this first topic came up, I thought that that movie was going to be used as (laughs) as an argument from your side Um, because it's the perfect example from the movies is that both of them are really good, um, but the first one is much better. And, you know, why everyone should watch that first one. So I know exactly where your argument is coming from there. But movies tend to go in the opposite direction as they sequel um, more than video games do. And that's just my feeling on it. Um, I love NES games, but I don't hear, unfortunately, for people like me and Tom and even maybe you and and, uh, Jen to a lesser lesser extent, um, kids aren't clamoring to play you know, those games. The Nintendo online system thing for Switch was meant for older gamers. Uh, my niece has a Switch and she has Nintendo online and she doesn't touch it. Any of those games on there. Like, not even a curiosity to go to them. Um, and that's just, 
that's just what it is. And, and we can have these arguments back and forth, me and you, over this. Um, but I, it's going to be hard to budge me off that because, honestly, Link to the Past is, is my favorite game of all time and probably one of the best games I've ever played, or else I wouldn't have beaten it over 45 times um, already. Um, and and so. you are welcome to that. However, its quality does not make the first one obsolete. That's my point. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It, it, it's arguably top 10 video game of all time. The first. Yeah, one. it's arguably the... Some <laughs> people have put it as the best video game of all time. I think Game Informer did that for their top 200. There you and again, that was a bunch of guys our age and a little older making that list, so... It's understandable that, you know, a lot of those games in the top 10 were from, you know, the 8 and 16-bit errors. Um, the thing, it's, it's, it, my, my thought is that a lot of things is just separating the, uh, you know, nostalgia and, you know, uh, it being the first one from, you know, you know, we, we both could be right in our arguments, um, you know, in terms of... No, someone of, has to win, Mark. Don't you understand? <laughs> Don't you understand? I'm sorry, I don't I don't I understand how this hot take economy works. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I'm calling it a time limit draw. Okay. We'll just reconvene next podcast and we'll yep. just never we, end this we, argument. We and, and have an argument over Mario. We're gonna yep. carry this over to the, <laughs> the next podcast. They called this a movie. We'll yep. we'll do another one. We'll start another <laughs> argument. Now we'll start an argument about Godfather Two versus Godfather One. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that the new bit now on the thing? Is that I think Godfather Two is better than Godfather One? Is that where we're gonna start? Yeah. Yeah. I mean you might as well have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just just like I hate Star Wars. Uh, yes, yeah. Mark hates Star Wars. Right? Yeah, can we clip that? Can we get that clip? That I mean, there, there are probably at least a dozen times in the history of us podcasting together that you can clip those words coming out of my mouth. But ne- never this audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> nice and crisp. Yeah. You're welcome. You're not even going to realize. You're like, I didn't even remember saying that on that podcast that Anthony just edited. <laughs> Uh, all right. While we're on the subject of film somewhat, um, something that is kind of a new thing. I mean, it's it's always kind of been a, a thing in gaming, but I think more than more now than ever, we're starting to see frame rates be a big deal in gaming. Now, frame rates are a big deal in movies. Generally, movies are shot in 24 frames a second. Um, and we can kind of go back to the Lord of the Rings, which did did a weird thing when they shot in 48 film frames per second, uh, and everybody thought it looked weird. Um, so games now, a lot of times, are 30 frames per second, just due to hardware limitations and kind of wanting it to look cinematic. Uh, a lot of a lot of games are stuck at that frame rate. Now, me, I have become a, a more pc gamer than other things at these days and pcs allow you to play games at higher frame rates because if you have a powerful enough machine it will allow those frames to be rendered quicker uh and now with these more powerful consoles you're starting to see uh frame rates of 60 and 120 now i'm curious uh if you if you would rather if you would rather have a game that looks way better and runs at a slower frame rate or you don't give a shit how it looks and you just want it to run as fast as possible. Um, Jen, since you are a new PC gamer, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. 
So I, when you suggested this topic, I honestly thought this was a really good idea to talk about because this really depends on your personal style of the kinds of games that you play, I think, at its core. So one might wind up being more important to you than the other based solely on that. Um, But personally, the way I see it, frame rate to me is much more important because it makes my game run a lot smoother and it's more enjoyable for me in that sense. Um, Nobody obviously enjoys a game being laggy, which is especially true during multiplayer games, which I pretty much, those are like the only games that I play for the most part. Um, first person shooters, the perfect example where every split second counts. So my reaction time is depending on being able to rely on super smooth gameplay. And if it's laggy or it's stuttering or it's moving a little bit too slow, there's no way that I'm going to win against someone with a better frame rate. Um, and obviously everyone on this podcast has heard me say this already. I'm obviously, I'm absolutely a graphic snob. I would love to play in the highest resolution possible as well. Um, so that way I have the max amount of realism in the game, but if I had to pick between the two, if I had to sacrifice one over the other, again, considering the games that I enjoy playing the most in the end, it's much more important for me to have a better frame rate than an ultra crisp, beautiful game. I can handle lowering the resolution if I need to in order to have a better gameplay experience. So, I mean, and, and you could see it on Twitch too. I mean, you can set the resolution, of the stream coming through to like, you know, down below 1080p and it's still, it's fine. It's not, it's not, like I said, super crisp and sharp, but you can still enjoy the game and have better frame per second and have, have overall a better experience playing the game. So that's how I feel about it. Okay. Um, that's very valid argument. I kind of want to hear the other side because Ant, you live in 24 frames a second. So I'm interested to hear if you have the opposite opinion. Um, I don't know. I think I, th- I think what she said about what you play kind of depends. Um, I'm sure if I played a lot of uh, first-person shooters, I would want that kind of 60 plus frames per second to kind of get that close to real life feel. Uh, personally, I don't play those sorts of games because I am terrible at them, and they make <laughs> me uh, seeing in first person kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. <laughs> it just does. Uh, um, so. But like it's like sort of porque no los dos. Why can't I have both? Um, but I guess if I had to pick one I, based on how I play, I would probably go the other way. Like Red Dead Redemption Two, I don't necessarily need that kind of like hair trigger sort of um, uh, reaction in terms of my button pressing. So a nice uh, seeing everything, you know, how much time they put into all those graphics and seeing those horizons and like, oh, well, I've got this really long ass uh, horse ride that I'm about to go on. So I might as well enjoy the beauty of this game. So a game like that, I'd probably say that uh, I'd want the, you know, the uh, the fidelity is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Um, to be at its best. And then I could kind of kick the the frame rate. But um yeah, I mean, that that's I think that's I'm kind of in agreement with Jen. I'm just coming from the opposite uh, perspective in terms of the games that I play uh, for something like NBA 2K once again. Or you know, we were talking about the show where it's just fractions of a second me and everything. I would probably for sports games. That's huge. Kind of like that's the reason why they uh, have those stupid motion smoothings on televisions is because for sports, really, more yeah. than anything, which is. Uh, every time I go to my in-laws, I really just want to change, take that off of my. Oh, I turn it. I, every time I go to my parents' <laughs> house, I turn it off. Yeah, 
Um, it, for, I did that so, last time I was at my parents' house. I did that to my parents' TV. <laughs> but my I, in-laws is another thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> for some reason, like today, I turned I turned on something, and I guess one of the HDR modes that on my TV reset itself. Mm-hmm. And it had that on, and I was like, what is going on with my TV right now? Why does it look <laughs> like I'm swimming through Vaseline? What is happening? Oh, God. <laughs> why does everything look like a British soap opera? Yeah. Like, why doesn't any, why do people not understand that? Like, especially when you're, like, watching, like, when the commercials hit and, like, a, a movie trailer comes on, that's, like, when the most obvious. It's like, why does, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, now I know in movies it's kind of a totally different thing because people really did not like the 48 frames a second thing that the Lord of the Rings did because it looked like shit. I know it was the <laughs> Hobbit movies, right? Oh, the Hobbit, right? You're right, the Hobbit. They did. Uh, Ang Lee did a movie too. It was like Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk or something where he shot it. I don't know if it was 60, but it might have been 48. It's just like, dude. It looks weird, and maybe it, maybe if we grew up on 48 frames per second as our movie standard, it wouldn't look weird, but it looks weird. <laughs> it looks unnatural. Everybody walks like they're aliens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a weird thing. Uh, Mark, I since I have also converted you to PC gaming, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, surprise all the listeners out there. I am 100% in agreement with Anthony. Um, we, we have we a lot of this. similar, we this. <laughs> somebody we has to change their answer, similar, um, uh, lack of skill in first person shooters that we haven't really had to think of frame rate, um, as really an issue. Um, I've never actually thought about it in sports games realm wise, if they're playing a lot of hockey and baseball, but maybe they are 60 and I just never noticed it, but I play a lot of first, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, one-player games, you know, RPGs and, um, you know, even the action stuff. If there's a little lag, it doesn't really bother me. If it's a single, you know, not a competitive thing, I can deal with it. Um, I just want the games to look as good as possible. And that's why I love, um, even on the PC that I'm playing at 1080, it's a consistent 1080 that, you know, always looks good and doesn't have any pop-in or anything like the consoles. So that's why getting converted to PC um, has been like a, a godsend for me um, since Tom helped me build my new computer. Um, I play as many of my games as possible on the PC, um, and now the PS5 does similar things in that, so I can get some of the console stuff that's not on PC and still have that issue, um, or I have that you know um, ability to see it that way. Um, I am probably the furthest thing from a frame rate s- snob. Um, <laughs> When it doesn't happen, unless if it chugs to, like, under 20, I don't really notice. I feel like the noticing the difference between 30 and 60 frame rates sometimes to me feels like those people that that cilantro does or doesn't taste like soap. <laughs> where, you know, for certain people, like, a frame hits 45 and they're like, oh, fuck, look at that. You know, drop the 40. And go, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't notice anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know obviously when it gets to 20 and below you know that's when games start chugging and um then it becomes really obvious but yeah that's just my feeling on it is before getting really deep into websites you know video games 
websites where a lot of the creators and stuff have opinions about that. And I'm saying opinions in capital letters um, uh, about the difference between 60 and 30. I really didn't notice it in my life um, and couldn't have told you anything. And I probably still can't. Um, I can I can tell the difference um, when someone unlocks the frame weight on PC and we're talking like 100 plus, you know, frames. That starts getting pretty obvious to notice the difference, um, especially first person shooters. But I am very fine with just living in my very beautiful games, um, even even the ones like Ant mentioned that frustrated me and I immediately deleted the game after losing a perfect belt. Um, <laughs> we could talk about that one episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to be honest, I'm thinking now that I have the PS5, probably going back to it, but I need, again, I need that external space solution for it at this point, um, or even the internal one. Um, but yeah, I, I am definitely the... You know, give me graphics, give me, you know, no pop in. Um, I'm so glad I got Cyberpunk for PC, because if I had gotten any of those console versions, um, it may have made me pull my hair out. Um, there are still parts of the game on PC that makes me go, how do you release this video game? Um, the fact that the traffic is on a set path and not its own AI, like own free will AI is bonkers to me because um they had solved that problem for grand theft auto 15 years ago um but the game looks really pretty um when you have it turned up so i can forgive some of that bullshit stuff um and that's just me i know tom is going to be on the far side of the frame rate um in this equation so i think i think so far um without hearing his full opinion um i think having a nice mix uh, the type of gamers is this was a good topic mm-hmm. yeah so as mark said i am on the other side i want i want to have 60 frames a second whenever possible the only times when i really don't care too much like too much is generally like a game like red dead or something like that where you can or even like flight simulator a game where it's very slow paced you can get away with a slower frame rate like that but since I have started playing on PC, all I care about is that it's 60 frames a second. I don't care about anything else, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Like I used to be like, oh, I need to jack the, I need to jack up every setting to the to the max. I don't care what the frame rate is after that. But once I started playing at 60 and now 100, because I have a 100 hertz screen, going from 100 hertz or 100 frames a second to 30 is a huge like a huge difference. So for me, uh, I'm, if there's an option to have a higher frame rate in a game, like if, if there's a fidelity or a, or a, a performance setting nine times out of 10, I'm going to the performance setting mm-hmm. just because I have gotten so used to seeing 60 all the time. And now, especially with the newer consoles, which give you that option. Um, I really enjoy like, so something I'll do is I'll turn the, I'll turn like the pretty setting on for like five minutes and be like, okay, I understand how this game looks. And then I'll turn it back to performance <laughs> and play it the rest of the way that way. Um, but with the new consoles being able to go up to 120 frames a second, I, I don't even know it's going to be a problem that much anymore. Mm, um, yeah. I guess it depends once we really start seeing next gen titles, which we still haven't really seen many. 
so once we get some real next gen stuff going on, that's when this argument will get even more interesting because it seems like everybody now is doing the fidelity versus frame rate settings in their games. And we've got, I think we've got, I think we're two and two here. I think, I think Jen and I uh, are more on the frame rate side when it comes to the games that we play and you guys are on the fidelity side, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's why we made this podcast. Another fucking draw. What, what's the <laughs> point of this episode? I, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're just here to talk. Everybody else Someone makes Someone has to win. <laughs> I can win by default if you want. There you that go. makes well, everyone least... feel better. Yeah, makes me feel better at least. Okay, I win. There you go. Jen wins. <laughs> uh, million points to Jen. Woo. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we've, we've, we've covered that pretty well. I think we've got good arguments on both sides. Um, so if you have any uh any thoughts on this let us know on twitter we'd love to hear to keep this conversation going and see uh we might even put a poll up to see what everybody prefers because i'm i'm really interested in this uh like i said especially now with next gen consoles having that ability to go up to 120 frames a second um and 8k like who's gonna who's gonna play in 8k (laughs) that's what i want to know what's someone out there what's the limit for the human eye i think it's uh, 8k is is it yeah yeah well i don't know i even like four four i can tell the difference between 4k and 1080p but the it's like such diminishing returns at that point because mm. go like going from 480p to 1080p is like crazy the mm. amount the pixel density is really the difference is really big but when you're going from 1080 to 4k unless you are like within 10 feet they don't look all that different so it's really a matter of how far away you are and you know the pixel density of the screen, how big the screen is. There's a whole bunch of science that goes into it, but sure. Four, 1080 to 4K is not as big a jump as 480 to 1080 was, or even 480 to 720. Or right, mm-hmm. even 480 to 720. But I, I can't even like my mind can't even comprehend 8K. So I, I can't really, I can't really form an opinion on it yet. Yeah. All right. So. This all feels like a dream, which we're going to talk about next, because we're going to talk about Super Mario Brothers 2, which was all a dream. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, now, as we've stated, this is the weird one of Super Mario Brothers. This actually was not a Super Mario Brothers game when it was first designed. Uh, it was a game called Doki Doki Panic for the uh, Famicom Disk System in Japan. Um, and after uh, an, the Nintendo of America president played the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2, he said, this is way too hard. People are not going to like it in America. We need something else. So they took Doki Doki Panic, they stuck they stuck Mario characters onto it, and mailed it out as Super Mario Brothers 2. And that's what we yeah. played this week. Yeah. The the, the one thing, just because I we get... Oh, I highly recommend as a uh, uh, supplement to this um, retro let this game is watching this Gaming Historian's documentary on it. Because even what they did with Doki Doki Panic, they didn't even bring the best version of that game over <laughs> as, you know, because that game forces you. Um, it has a save feature, like sort of Zelda-esque save feature um, on the NES. Um, and it forces you to beat all four, the game with all four characters before getting to the final boss um, of the game. Um, and then they completely stripped all of that out. For this and it's just funny that they 
released this as a reskin and then even didn't even keep a lot of the really good quality of life stuff that the original game had. It's just it's such a unique and weird clusterfuck of a story <laughs> and it, it's amazing. Yep, I agree. Uh yeah, I totally agree. Go watch the video that gaming historian did. He always does excellent work on uh on his on his documentaries. All right, Jen. Mm-hmm. Miss, I did not own an NES. <laughs> I know. I always get to start off the NES ones and even the <laughs> SNES ones. Um, so I enjoyed this game for what it was. Uh, so I usually try to do some pros and cons while I play just so I have my ideas fresh in my head. So the things I enjoyed about this game, um, I noticed right away you have the extra airtime when you're jumping, which is pretty helpful, especially because of the whole side-scrolling thing. The enemies appear when you can't see them. At the last second, they're there. So I noticed the extra airtime came in handy. Um, almost a little bit too much airtime, <laughs> where it kind of threw me off a little bit, but I got used to it really fast. Now, who um, did you play as? Did you play as Peach? Of course I did. Even That's though what... I fucking hate Peach because of, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Mario Party? Mario Party. <laughs> she stole all my stuff. But anyway... <laughs> I played as Peach, which was, I I had to. But anyway, yeah. So I played as Peach. Uh, do all of the characters have different yes. abilities when it comes to that? Because, yep. okay. Yep. So then this will be a Super Mario Brothers 2 Peach review, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I also liked, I liked that you could land on enemies um, at times because it helps you travel up vines. For example, when you... Uh, I guess are trying to get away from the enemy them you jumping in front of them and them kind of pushing you up the vine instead of just killing you. I appreciated that because when I first started playing it, I thought that I was going to die and the enemy just kind of pushed me up. Um, I still miss the good old jump on them and squish them thing. So when I first was playing the game, I was kind of like, what? How did I just land on this thing? And it's just carrying me. <laughs> um, but still, that was fine. Um, and I also really liked how as you're falling, it sort of pauses, and obviously that's the game catching up to where you are on the next part of the level as you're falling. But it it pauses enough so that you have time to adjust where you're going, which is kind of helpful too, um, so that you don't fall 85 clouds down from where you started on if you missed if you missed a jump or you know made a mistake. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the game the game music of course is classic, so obviously no complaints there. Uh, the cons that I thought of. The whole sliding when landing thing, super annoying. Obviously, that's not just limited to this game, um, but does not get any more enjoyable in this game. Um, I would jump on a platform and slide right off, which was irritating. But again, not something limited to this game, just something I wanted to point out. Um, It also took me a while to realize you can actually pull the plants out from the ground and use them as weapons or find perks like freezing time or opening the door to the bonus levels. Um, I played through it for quite a while before I accidentally pulled one out and then was like, oh, (laughs) this wasn't just part of the background. These are actually (laughs) things you can interact with. (laughs) And up until that point, I'm like, instead of, aside from those, um, what do they call them? Like the, the pow things that you pick up and you slam down and all the enemies kind of fall off. Yeah. The pow. I thought, yeah, I thought that was the only thing that you were going to have in the beginning of the game. And then I realized I just ran by like 15 plants that I could have been using. So that made my experience much better after I learned about that. Um, So that's really not a con as much as I was just stupid. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
learning to catch the eggs from the bird midair. So the first, I don't know if you would even consider that the first boss necessarily, but yeah, okay. I mean, cool. it, I they're, was going they're like mini bosses. Them. Yeah. Um, I thought that was challenging. I was, I had a feeling you were supposed to do something with the egg, but I couldn't figure out that you actually have to land on it as it's going past you and then grab it and then throw it. So again, not really a con as much as it just was like a learning curve for myself to figure it out. Um, I think my biggest complaint was that World 1-2, I, in my opinion, ramped up considerably in difficulty. Um, oh, yeah. And Definitely. playing this, yeah, and then playing this game, your lives are literally numbered. You don't have saves. Um, and if you make too many mistakes once you get to this next world, which I did, of course, you're you're screwed. So I, I did not get very far in this game. Um, but from what I played, I enjoyed it. So I, I did not get past World 1-2. I get the idea of how to get through there. Um, but I had no interest in continuing it at that time. So, yeah, overall, from what I played, though, I did not hate it. I wasn't frustrated. I enjoyed it for what it was. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Aunt, give us your thoughts on Super Mario Brothers 2. I love this game. I don't care that it used to be Doki Doki Panic, because when I was uh, first playing this game, I didn't know what the fuck Doki Doki Panic was. I just knew this was Super Mario Brothers 2, and I played the shit out of this game when I was a kid. Um, it's weird. Uh, there are a couple of things, quirks about like lives and hit points, let's call them that, that kind of reset after every level, which is weird. Um but it's fun. I, I I've always liked this game. Uh, a save feature would be cool, but I got as far as the ice worlds when I replayed this. That's like level four. I think it's the final world. Uh, yeah, I had a great time with this one. I I I, I don't know how much to say about it to be honest <laughs> with you. It's the same game I played when in in 1990 or whenever I was actually playing it because uh you know what time when did it come out like 86 87. Yeah. So well, what did you think? Then. What did you think of the differences between the original Super Mario and this? Uh, you know, keep it fresh. It's cool. I like it. I like that. Um, you know that they tried. Some, I know that they tried it because of another reason entirely. That because it was too too difficult, quote unquote. And I you you play the lost levels, which is what Super Mario Brothers Two was. And it's like, all right, well, it's like the same, the same. It's just, it's all, it's like the same, the same game. It's like, why am I playing this again? I want to, you know, try something new. Um, so I like the fact that, you know, you get to choose your characters that have different abilities. And I know you guys talking about Metroid last, last episode when that Samus was like the first female protagonist in a video game that you ever played, but really, Unless you beat the game, you had no idea. So you're, you know, the male, uh, the patriarchy, you're probably thinking that the hero of that game is a man. So you actually get to play Peach in this one and you get to play a female character. And it's not a, a secret until the very end, um, which is cool, I guess. You know, it, it's cool. I'll say <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Uh, I, I lost my train of thought there. So I'm trying to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought the change, like the the car, the enemies are cool to be able to jump on them. I the the secret doors was an, a little interesting thing. I couldn't. The one thing that I couldn't remember from muscle memory was where in certain uh, levels to go with it because there are, you know, the 
the idea you would have in your head is because especially for the first one is that you wherever you pick it up you put it down and you get what you need but there are some places that you you have to take it the the potion to a different little part of the level where the door opens up and then you go specifically to a different thing where you can warp i think that's how i got to level four actually is a warp um so that's a little interesting thing that they added to it i it's fresh it's it's not like Link's Awakening or Zelda 2: The Adventures of Link, um, yeah. where that that's like a broken game more more than anything yeah. else, really. Uh, this game works. It's it's a pretty solid platformer. It, you know, Mario goes left to right. This one goes up and down. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, I I have nothing bad to say about this game. I know people now. It's like that's the one, the first thing that people say about when they talk about Super Mario Bros. Two. Well, you you know that it wasn't always Super Mario Bros. Two, um, but I that does not take away for me. It doesn't take away any, anything for this game. I always love this game. It's good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of this game too. Uh, Mark, how about you? Yeah. Let us know what you think. Yeah. So. And I, I agree with one of the last points Ant made there is that this game, while it being weird and being made this way for a different reason than the other one was, uh, this one is a much better offering than than Zelda 2 was um, in terms of um, it still had a lot of the core concepts of, you know, um, of Super Mario Brothers in terms of platforming and just turn some things on its head. So if you didn't know any better, you would just think they were just going for a different direction and not because of ease or hardness. While uh, Zelda 2 just, you know, just feels like a completely different game and is broken in many ways. And a lot of people never finish it. Um, and I believe a lot more people have finished this game. Uh, the one cool thing that is pulled from this game, um, outside of a lot of enemies that most people don't realize, like Shy Guys and stuff. Um, all come from this game, Birdo mm-hmm. uh, specifically. Um, you know, they don't show up anywhere else until, you know, in, in this game. And then I think, you know, they show up later in one of the carts or sports games again. And then be, they become a regular character from there on out. Yeah. Um, but um, the ability to select characters has become such a staple of the four player uh mario games going forward whether it's 3d or new super mario brothers um and this was the first one to you know actually allow you to do that and the fun thing is the one thing um at least on the mario side that nintendo does is they never forget the past whether it was this being super mario 2 uh usa over super mario brothers 2 um when peach came in for 3d world and stuff like that they kept the floaty jump um, that she has in this, um, and all of her, anytime she's in the games, she does, she has a floaty jump, mm-hmm. um, like this. They didn't like try to exercise that and make her like everyone else. Um, they kept that one core feature. Um, I think even Luigi loses a little bit of his, you know, the, the kicking of the legs that he has in this. Um, he does it sometimes, but not, it's not as obvious as keeping Peach's thing the same. Um, but yeah, as Jen mentioned, all four of these characters play differently. Theoretically, they all have their own levels that they're better at um, than the rest of them. Um, specifically, like we were mentioning on the stream, Toad is the one you're meant to do the desert levels with because his digging is so much faster than everyone else's um, for some reason. Um, but he doesn't jump as high. 
So you wouldn't want him for some of the vertical levels um, later on. You would want more Luigi for those because he's the higher jumper. Mario is the very straight. Um, if someone made a joke, a D&D reference, he's like the human of this thing. <laughs> everything is just flat. There's no plus or minus. He does everything well, but not extraordinary. So you can beat the game straight with Mario and not have much of an issue. But you can beat it faster if you mix and match the characters. Um, a lot of the um, this was one of the first games in my life um, because I played this before Super Mario 3 um, where you start talking to your friends and family about secrets and stuff in, in the world. Like it's like, you know, in that first level, if you go into that world and you go up and you go to the left and you go through that door, you can bomb, you can get right to Birdo. You don't have to bother with, you know, the beanstalks and all that. Um, and it's fun, the uh, playground stuff talking about, uh, talking about that. Um, this game, the thing that frustrates me is if, if you haven't played it in a while, it takes a lot of time to get that muscle memory back. Um, just that because is, it that's for feels damn sure. different. <laughs> once, once you get it back, it's, it, it's, it, it, you become as good as you are meant to be. I, there's probably a better word for it, but. You know, your skill at the game, you get to that level once you get used to the, the difference in jump timing and all that. But getting to that point is, is the hardest part I found playing this game. I didn't find the warp for the fourth level, um, but I did get to the third level, you know, through I think it's Mauser's the end of the desert level. All right. I, I believe so. Um, but um, yeah. And it, it's just you, you get there and then I got to that third level and was just out of lives. Um, I think I made it to the world once in my whole life um, and non-warp situations. Um, just like in Super Mario Brothers 3, I've only made it to levels 7 and 8 straight through without whistles only like once or twice in my life. Um, uh, this game, um, I, I will say that I prefer this game over Lost Levels. And I think they kind of made the right choice in terms of not losing footing in America. By putting out Lost Levels. For anybody that's played Lost Levels, understands, or to circle back to something I talked about before, if you just want to watch and see how batshit crazy that game gets in terms of difficulty with jumps, you know, Giant Bomb is a great feature on there where Brad Shoemaker plays through um, the whole game. And it takes him, like, sometimes it takes him, like, a week or two to just get through one world um, because of, of stupid jump puzzles. Like, you'll jump off a spring and then wind will come. And you got to readjust your character without seeing them on screen so that they land in the right spot. You know, so by picking a game like this, having it be weird and stand out, especially it was a blue box, if I remember. Yes, correctly. it was a, it was a blue and white box. Yeah. yeah. So making it stand out as a game, as a box, it was a much better choice um, as a second game to follow up in America than most of the other choices they made on the NES. And it's probably one of the reasons why this one has a lot more staying power in people's minds than than any of the other ones. Like Metroid 2 was a Game Boy game, you know, um, you know, Zelda 2 is most people don't even mention it when they talk about Zelda games um, much. Uh, So the fact that this one, you could find a good percentage of people that will say this was their first Mario game um, and it's the one sometimes they prefer. Um, it, it's just saying something for a game that really was just created because the Nintendo of America thought uh, Americans were baby gamers. 
<laughs> essentially, to, to to boil it down. To I something. mean, l- let's be honest. If if we got lost levels as Super Mario Brothers two, Mario might not be the character he is in America. Yeah. Because people would have freaking hated it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Lou Albano would have been out of work, and you know, we would have <laughs> we we would have been, you know, he would have had to go and back to Vince, and you know, who knows what might have happened to the captain. It would not that's have all been all that better. really matters. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's, it's always that good. is my whole point. All that talk about Super Mario Brothers 2 is just it helped Lou Albano, and that's all I care about. <laughs> so yeah, so I Super Mario Brothers 2 for me was one of those games that I never owned as a kid. We had one and three. I had cousins that had two, which we would play all the time when I'd be there. Just because of the switching characters aspect so we could be like oh i want to be this character you can be this character and we'll switch between levels and things like that which i thought was pretty cool as a kid uh and now as well it just gives you more options when you're playing uh which is as dumb as that sounds you didn't have those options back then they didn't really exist uh so to have the ability to play as peach to play as toad even like nobody would have ever thought, oh, I want to play as Toad. But in if you play the game right, you need you need Toad. Um, but yeah, I like I, I like that it's also a vertical game. Uh, Super Mario Brothers one's very horizontal. Obviously, the whole levels are horizontal. But in Super Mario Brothers two, a lot of the levels will go horizontal. But then all of a sudden, you have this vertical stage, which they've also brought into newer games. They've brought that vertical, those vertical sections to certain levels, and uh, it really helped expand the play style of Super Mario Brothers. And even again, even though it wasn't actually a Super Mario Brothers game, it did a lot of stuff for the franchise going going forward. And I think it deserves a lot of credit for that. And Nintendo of America deserves a lot of credit for uh, requesting that this game or requesting that we have a different game uh, than Japan. Um, I really enjoyed it. I e- Even though I sucked at it on stream, which I think <laughs> I figured out what the problem was. I was using a wireless controller with a platformer, and that's never a good idea. Mm. So I think that was part of my problem. I went back and wired up a controller, and things felt a lot better. So I'm going to blame it on that and being on stream. So if you watch <laughs> the stream, that's why I, w- I was doing so poorly. Uh, but overall, I had fun. Uh, this it's definitely a recommended game to play if you're a platformer fan. It's on Switch Online, you know. Uh, but I guess before I I go gloating about it, uh, let's get everybody's scores. Ant, we'll start with you. Uh, well, Super Mario and Super Mario Three are easy fives on five. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has to be at least a four, right? It's mm-hmm. four, four and a half for me. All right, Jenny. Um, so yeah, overall, I thought the game was really fun, easy to pick up. Um, I do see myself being happy to randomly pick it back up and play it. I don't have that uh, Bionic Commando drive <laughs> for this game. Um, I overall had a lot of fun with it. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Okay, Mark. Yeah, so um, I'm definitely with Ant four out of five for this. Um, the only thing that keeps it from a four and a half um, in my opinion is um and this is something anthony has heard multiple times on movie stuff is ultimately i think the game's kind of too short 
um, in the sense that you could add a level or two to this and still get enjoyment. There's not as much. They do the variety, but you could you could do a lot more with the weirdness in this world if you add a fifth or sixth level or even more than they had. But I think they were in such a rush to try to capture the people that bought um, Super Mario One that they just used the frame the boilerplate for Doki Doki Panic um, and just went with as many levels as that had. Um, so yeah, four out of five. You know, it's definitely. Uh, it's definitely one of those games that while may not make like many like top 10, top 20 lists of all time, and a lot of outlets will be a game that you mention it to someone that plays video games and they'll be like, oh yeah, that weird game, you know, where you, you, uh, you picked up vegetables and threw them at things, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just, it, it's just a, a game that just stands out on its own whether you think it's good or not, um, it does leave an impression. Yep, I totally agree. I'm going to give it a four as well. Uh, it definitely was a game that I feel everybody should should play at some point. It's not it's not uh, it's not as good as Super Mario Brothers one or three, just because it's not technically Super Mario Brothers, but at this point it is, uh, and I just feel like you should play it to know, to see the evolution of Super Mario Brothers. Um, there's a lot of, like we said, there's a lot of stuff that actually came out of this game. And uh, it's fun to see where the where the franchise came from. So, if you have not played it, it's on Switch Online. Go check it out. You don't even have to purchase it. See how easy that is? And I know probably most people these days have a switch at this point. If you're listening to this podcast, if not, there are other uh, more gray areas to be able to play it. I won't mention any, but uh, it's very easy to, to find and play these days. So with all of that out of the way, let us spin the wheel. Okay. An interesting one that I have just recently added to the list. I have no idea how to play it or what to expect. We're playing The Misadventures of Tron Bon for the PlayStation 1. So this game is kind of a spin-off to Mega Man Legends, which was a weird 3D Mega Man game, which was like an RPG action-adventure game. And this is a spin-off. So I don't know much about it. I know that it is super expensive, if you go on eBay and try to find it right now, which is one of the reasons I bought it, because I bought it in a panic when they said the PlayStation store was shutting down. Um, so uh, so you don't even have the hard copy to go sell it to buy more Dogecoin, huh? No, no, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> Fortunately not. But uh, I think I think this should be interesting. I I don't know anything about it. So I hope you're ready for me to discover this game on stream on Monday. Or Same. today, when you're listening to this. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, I guess before we get out of here, Ant, you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, real quick. Uh, they Called Us Movie. Uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. They call Us Movie. Uh, we watch shitty movies. The last one we released was Barbarella. We have another one coming out this Thursday. So check us out, basically, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are TheMainDamie.com where we post all our shows and that's our socials for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We search the main Damie. 
And we're on TikTok for They Call This a Movie. And we're posting shit there, too. So <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Uh, Mark, I want to let everybody know about Stranger Damies and everything yes. coming up with that. Yes, yeah, Stranger Damies is our D&D podcast. Episodes air every other Wednesday. Um, we uh, stream the games live over on our, our sessions over on our Twitch channel, uh, which is twitch.tv slash gamevaultpod, um, every other Friday. So there'll be a session coming up this Friday and then every two weeks after that. So just be sure to check it out. Um, run Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies. Feel free to send fan art, questions, anything you want. Um, to the social medias and we'll be sure to either have it uh, prominent on the stream or answer your questions um, in a uh, in a talking to strangers episode so um, be on the lookout for that and I just um, realized today when signing off for a game vault pod stream that I probably should start putting the videos up on YouTube because people are way behind if they try to catch up on the sessions uh, as they come live <laughs> compared to the audio ones. Um, so I may need to do that over the weekend. Uh, so uh, when you're hearing this, hopefully um, there'll be a bunch of random episodes over on the YouTube channel, uh, which is just uh, search Stranger Damies on YouTube and you should be able to find it. Um, we need to get to those hundred subscribers so that we can get a vanity URL. So try and help us do that there. Mm-hmm. Jen, the streams. Yeah. So, as we always say, we pretty much stream six days a week. So, we try to cover things that everyone will enjoy. So, tonight, if you're listening to us as this podcast has dropped, tonight is Retro Roulette with Mark and Tom. Uh, So, please tune in for that. It's usually around 9 p.m. Eastern time, but our Twitter account is normally the best place to go if you want to find out exactly when we're going live any day of the week and what we're playing as well. Um, Every other Monday that our podcast does not drop, Tom continues his playthrough of Suikoden. So it is currently Retro Mondays with Tom. Tuesday is our only set day off every week. So unfortunately, we are not around on Tuesdays. But Wednesdays, we come back for Apex After Dark, where the three of us play Apex Legends and slowly but surely get better at it. Um, So that's a fun time for the most part. (laughs) Uh, Thursdays is jam-packed. So we have Dan playing Breath of the Wild usually around 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then Mark picks up the stream at 9 p.m. Eastern time for Paper Markio, where he plays through Paper Mario. Uh, Both games are very fun to watch on stream. Uh, Then Fridays and Saturdays are a little bit different than they used to be. So as we mentioned, Fridays, every other Friday is going to be a live uh, Dungeons & Dragons session with Stranger Damies. And um, normally we record our podcast on the alternating Friday, so it will be a streaming day off for us then as well. Um, so Saturday would normally also alternate with Friday. So whenever we're doing Dungeons and Dragons on Friday, Saturday will be a stream, um, where usually it's myself and either Jonathan playing Monster Hunter Rise, or it's me and Mark playing through uh, DVD. So again, just keep an eye out for our Twitter account to announce exactly what we're doing on those kinds of grab bag days. And then Sunday is Breath of the Wild again with Dan. And uh, then we're back. We're back on Monday. Awesome. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. Lots, lots of stuff to keep us busy. Uh, it's it's just a it's it's a crazy time because we're all all have something going on and games are just about to start being released. It's almost that time. June. It's coming. (laughs) So before we get out of here, I just wanted to mention that we are an affiliate of Stone Age Gamer. Uh, if you have any need for retro console accessories 
controllers, cables, power supplies, pretty much anything you could think of. Uh, check out their store. You can check it out through the link in the description of the podcast. And uh, if you use that link and purchase something, it gives us a little kickback anytime you use it. It allows us to make these podcasts and streams better and uh, ultimately makes makes a better product for you guys to listen to. Um, so I want to thank Ant for, for coming to hang out with us. Uh, really appreciate your input on Legend of Zelda and all, all other things tonight. Yeah, uh, sorry I made this a uh, super long episode. Uh, listen, <laughs> they're all super long. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not just you. Uh, so everybody out there, hope you're staying safe. Be nice to each other. For Ant, Mark, and Jenny, I'm Tom, and we will catch you guys in the next one.